welcome to episode four of Out of Your League. This was uh, always the plan, get the podcast up the charts, get rid of John Wilkin, get rid of Mark Flanagan. Nobody likes them. Mm. They're holding me back. Um, got rid of Wilkin last week, got rid of Flanagan this week, so I'm halfway there. Don't forget, you can download uh, Out of Your League, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify. You can watch us on YouTube, get in touch at Super League on social media and use the hashtag Out of Your League. We're with you every week, John. Yes. Some of us are, uh, until just after the grand final. And this week, my friend, mm-hmm. we have some esteemed guests. We do, yeah, fantastic. Keegan Hurst, Emily Rudge of St. Helens and Wigan's Gemma Walsh. Uh, Keegan, for those who don't know, uh, is a Wakefield player online at Halifax till the end of the season. Uh, you currently moved there, Keegan, I'm told a, a few weeks ago. The main reason we've got you in today, Halifax or Wakefield? If you had to choose one of the towns to save and the other has to burn to the ground. <laughs> to the ground, we have to burn all the way to the ground. <laughs> Can it not just have like a, maybe a minor sort of outbreak of flames? No, no, no. no, this is, is Game it? of Thrones style. The whole oh, okay. raising it to the ground. Yeah, to the ground. Yeah. Which one are you saving? I'd, I'd have to... Oh, I'd have to go to Wakefield. Oh, <laughs> controversial. <laughs> have Do many of your teammates live in Halifax? <laughs> no, that's I hope not. Burn the remains of Halifax to the. Where, interesting. Where where is a, a nicer place to live out of the sea? You've experienced both. Which one's got a Waitrose, a Marks and Spencers? Well, Will's. Or? You've got to bear in mind Will's from an excessive amount of money. Yeah. So what he beat? Not true. His benchmark for what's nice. Yeah, yeah, I mean. You know, you keep saying that. There's a few littles. <laughs> so which one would which one would be more sort of elderly edge? What we what we thinking out of the two? I, 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 I think there's nice parts of both. Yeah. Do you know, I know what I'm saying? <laughs> where, where am I going? I know where you're going. Go on. <laughs> Go on. Finish. Finish this little. <laughs> no. Finish this little. What you've done here. The whole premise of this. <laughs> yeah. You brought in your little notes. No, there's nothing. Oh, no, it's got a punchline. There's a punchline. Oh, what the fact that, that, No, there is no punchline. Well, you mean the fact you live in elderly edge? <laughs> the boy from Hull. Yeah. Who now. Anyway, that wasn't where I was going. Um, Right, Keegan, let's get stuck into things because we haven't got long and there's so much I want to talk about. Um, August 2015, okay, uh, you came out, which was a a huge moment for you. Um, You said you you always knew you were gay. And to to two straight people here, I I think this is something I'd certainly want to know is when did that, when did that first click? When did that become a thing in, in your head? Um, well, there's a couple of points to address, I guess. So August 15th was when it was public, so I'd already come out to friends and family before then. And when I said that I've always known that I was gay, I think that my understanding of it is certainly retrospective because while I was going through it, I was, I was that deep in denial that... I would have never said that I was gay up until I kind of came to terms with it. Um, but looking back, I guess I kind of knew there was something going on when I was probably about 14, 15, you know, the age, I suppose, lads start to get interested in girls and obviously I started to get interested in lads. Um, so, yeah, and I, I, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if people were thinking the same as me, but we weren't talking about it. Or, and obviously growing up where I grew up, you know, I grew up on a council estate in Batley. There was, as far as I knew, there were no gay people. There was no one who was like me. Um, so I just figured I can't be gay or it was a phase and I certainly didn't want to be. Um, so, yeah. Is that the denial you mentioned there as a word? Like, human denial is like a powerful thing, mm. isn't it? Was that, was that a big part of Yeah, 100%. Experience? Yeah, I, and it was like, if you think, think of it... It was like I was trying to push it down and push it down. Mm. Uh, and 
I tried everything to make it go away. Having a girlfriend, having a wife, having kids, having, and that's not to say that I didn't love Sarah, or because I did, and I, you know, obviously mm. with my kids, and it was just, I, yeah, it was just a really difficult, or what I felt at the time was a really difficult situation that I was in, and I didn't know what to do, and I just hoped that it would go away. I guess I just stuck my head in the sand. Let's go back a little bit before before Sarah and before the kids. Um, what were you like as a kid? Because I'm just reading things that you've done over the past few years. You, you seem very harsh on yourself. Buck teeth, ugly, yeah, fat boy. I, what I, you... I certainly grew into my face. Right. Um, <laughs> what, was yeah, the, what was the young Keegan I, like? I, I, yeah, my teeth were the same size then. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, we lived on a, on a council estate. My mum didn't want us to get into any bother, so she tried to keep us in the house. Um, so we weren't knocking about on street corners. Which meant, you know, I wasn't particularly sporty. And it was only by accident that I got into rugby. Um, playing computer games, love reading, geek, did really well at school, um, which I'm not ashamed to, you know, admit to. Um, but yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't the sportiest, and um, it took, yeah, puberty was good to me, to be fair. I, I, a bit of a That's a big step. And... Puberty was good to me. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've ever. Is that a thing? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I went through. I had a beard and ended up being six foot four while everyone else was covered in acne. So yeah, puberty was good to me. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get that in quotation marks? <laughs> puberty on the other hand was very bad for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so you met your, your girlfriend at the time before she became your wife. You were young, 19. 19. And, and Sarah got pregnant very quickly. A mm, couple um, of months we've been together. Yeah, uh, th this is going to seem ver a very hypothetical question, but had she not got pregnant as quick as she did, might that have changed the, the path that you, that you took? You know, might you have come out much earlier than that, had it not been for a uh, child? I'd, I'd, like, I'd like to say yes. Um, I, but I don't know. I think my grand plan was, like I said, I did well, well at school. I never thought I was going to end up being a rugby player. So I was going to go to university, you know, move to a, a big city where the streets were paved with gold. And I don't know, maybe I'd had some kind of sexual awakening there. But um, yeah, I don't know. Things might have been very different if, if Sarah had got pregnant. Um, yeah, we spend a lot of time, don't we, like trying to conform to like society, like what society dictates we should behave like. 100%. And that's like a mad, it's the maddest concept ever, mm. is that there would be something that's normal. Like if there's a normal circumstance in the world, that's, that's in, in itself is unique. Mm. And we spend so much time and I, I, we all do it subconsciously is there's pressure on us to behave in a certain way. And when I read Keegan's story, it had all the earmarks of, you know, that, that societal pressure. Mm. You know, sort of you yeah. fighting with the pressure of society yeah, to, yeah. to be a macho alpha guy with a family and two kids yeah, and, yeah. you know, all of that. Two, yeah, 2.4 so, kids. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> there's a lot of, all of us here, we have pressure to conform. Mm. To what, yeah, what, was the, was, what was the fear then for, for all of you? That what was the fear, of, if there was any fear for you two, you know, of, of telling people that you, you were gay? I mean, there were, there were obvious ones. You're saying, Keegan, you were from Batley, you, you worked as a joiner. You know, that's not your your stereotypical environment to, mm. to sort of be yeah. open and honest, is it? Yeah, I mean, my mum wasn't necessarily the most open-minded of people. Um, so there was obviously the fear, there's fear of rejection. Um, 
there's fear of losing your job. And and when I think about it back, retro, when I think back to it, it's ridiculous. There's laws in place. There's it, it's you, you just catastrophize when you think mm-hmm. about it and you keep it. And you know we always talk about, especially now we're talking about mental health so much about bottling things up, and it just gets worse and worse and festers and festers, and it gets more catastrophic. Um, and yeah, I, I just think uh, certainly for me, and I would imagine a lot of people, the f- fear of rejection and no one, you know, being ostracised and uh, yeah, that that was terrifying for me. Mm. Um, and as it turned out, you know, my mum doesn't speak. I don't speak to my mum now, but it's I, I'm okay with that because I know I've done my bit. So well, I, w- I want to get on. To, I want to get onto your mum. In a, not in that way. <laughs> that sounded weird. <laughs> I wanted to get onto your mum. No, but in, in all seriousness, that is a is a is a really interesting conversation. But I want to try and go through a little bit chronologically, okay. just for people listening to to make sense of it. And and at any opportunity, Keegan, tell me to fuck off and mind my own business. But when please do that. <laughs> but when um, we, we fast forward from when you, you met Sarah and you had your first kid. And then when you got married, um, when Sarah was, was walking down the aisle and you were in the church, I assume it was a church. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't set on fire. <laughs> you didn't set on fire. But, but in your head, um, when she's walking down there, knowing that you're, you're living a lie, was, was that a, a sort of pivotal moment when she was walking down, to, about to become your I, wife? I, I think it's, it's really difficult to convey this, and I'm not as articulate as the point probably needs um it wasn't a case of living a lie because it wasn't like i know i'm gay and i'm just marrying you to cover Mm. that up because that's really conceited and it wasn't a case of that it was i don't want to feel like this and i do i do love you so i want to make it right and i want it to go away and i want to do everything i can so that i can be a good husband and a good dad and um and all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't a case of, thank God, now I'm married, no one will suspect. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't anything as um, blatant as that. But when Sarah walked down the aisle, I thought she looked beautiful. I thought we were going to be married for the rest of our lives. That's what I wanted. That's what, to me, marriage is. Whoever you marry in, you get married because you want to be with that person for the rest of your life. And that's what I wanted to do. And that I wanted just we built a family and a household and, and all that. So I, it was... A really happy. It was a really happy day. It wasn't that I was sat there, you know, eating my pudding and thinking, God, I can't do another 50 years like this. So in a way, you were you were almost hoping that that, that marriage took the thoughts out of your mind. Yeah, that, 100%. That you were gay. You were, you were, that was going to disguise it for yeah. the rest of your life. I suppose it was my own way of, what, conversion therapy or something. Mm-hmm. It was, it, it, I, yeah, I was doing everything to conform, really, yeah, yeah. Um, and hoping that that would just set something right and... Not that, that was my thinking at the time. It would say something right. Do you know what but I mean? it'd be wrong to to sit here and say that because Keegan obviously came out that in every moment between the fact where he's fourteen and 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 twenty you know twenty seven twenty eight mm. when you came out you, that you're thinking about being gay. Yeah, hundred percent. You're not thinking about no, that no. all the time. I no. mean, what sort of narcissist thinks and sits about my sexuality? Mm. You know, twenty four yeah. seven a day. I just think, God, I'm a heterosexual <laughs> man. I'm a heterosexual. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. What a weird. Like you never would even. Yeah. It's well, it's it, something that I imagine would bob up at your best and at your worst yeah. potentially. We, we wear all these caps all the different all different times, don't we? we? You know, today I'm doing a podcast. This is my podcast cap. And yeah. I go to training, and that's my rugby cap. And I've got my kids, and that's my dad cap. And every so often, the gay cap and maybe fall on my head, and I go, oh, go get that off. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. 
you know, whereas now I've got it on and it's got a unicorn on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's outrageous. Yeah. It's an outrageous cap. But, but, you, but, you're, but you're gay cap at the time, before you came out, you, you couldn't wear with, with pride. No. And it, and, it, and it held you back big time because you were drinking heavily, you were mm. taking drugs, mm. you weren't happy. No. You know, I, I've interviewed Gareth Thomas and there, we spoke about this before we came on. There were a lot of similarities, certainly from my point of view, to the story yeah. of being married and having kids and things that stopped you coming out at the time. You know, Gareth, I remember telling me that he, he, he used to just get into his cupboard. Uh, this is, <laughs> there's a part of coming out the closet. But he used to get into his wardrobe and um, with a couple of bottles of vodka and just sit there in the dark for two days mm. just drinking vodka. It was a walking wardrobe. He did very well out of, <laughs> <laughs> did very well out of rugby. So. Uh, and, and, and he, at the time, was married, um, kids. He, he acted on his urge before he told anyone that he was gay with a postman. You know, th there must have been times where you... You, we, we're human, you were human. Yeah. You thought, I, I need to act on this, I, and, and had to restrain yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I kind of... I'd, I guess, I, I, well, I had had a dabble before I got with Sarah, and I didn't like it. I felt it was really alien to me, it was really uncomfortable, as in how it made me feel was uncomfortable, <laughs> not the actual act. It was... I, I just didn't like it, it made me feel icky, and I thought, that's... that can't be gay, otherwise I'd really enjoy it. Mm. That'd be a good thing. Um, so that was kind of... That, that added to a reason why I you know, was in denial of thought, or I can't be gay, because, you know, you didn't, you're mm. supposed to enjoy sex. Mm -hmm. So it was, yeah, there was, there was that, and then obviously after coming out and, and everything, getting, getting to grips with everything, then it's a different story now. Mm. How, how um, bad did the, the drugs and the drink get? Did that, I assume, just took an edge off the yeah, reality? I think, that, I think that was just escapism. Um, it helped? It worked? I mean, it helped for the however many hours I was blacked out. Um, but it didn't help my life because I had to get up and go to work. I had to deal with an angry missus. I had to deal with, you know, young kids running around a job, then go training. It was it had a really bad effect on on my life. Uh, you know, rugby took a bit of a performance-wise, obviously took a bit of a nosedive. So, it, um, for that brief few hours where I wasn't compass mentis, then it, it um, yeah it helped them, but. By and large, it was, yeah. I don't know how you juggled all of these plates because that is a lot with, with the career that you had and mm. with kids and, and a wife, that's a lot to hide. Yeah. Uh, and to do it so convincingly, which you obviously did, yeah. because we're still chronologically at the moment where you haven't come out here. Um, you thought about killing yourself a couple yeah. of times. Yeah. Uh, look, that, that as a sentence is, is, yeah. is just, let's just take a second to, to, to go back to that, to that moment and, and I'm not trying to compare everything with Gareth, but Gareth Thomas had a, a similar thing where he was. He told me he was stood on. on um, he had no intention of thinking about killing himself, or no intent, never, no, no thoughts of it, and he was just stood on a cliff. And the moment just came, and he thought, "This, this is the moment." And, mm. and, and it was such, such a sudden thing, such something that wasn't planned. What, what in your head was was going through? I, th I think it had just obviously been bubbling on and bubbling on, and, and it was at a time. I don't think Fletcher was born. It was, yeah, Fletcher wasn't born, so it might have even been before we were married the first time. And I remember just thinking that I, I couldn't... I, I, I hated myself because of how I felt about myself, as in, was I gay or wasn't I? Why was I feeling 
why wasn't I content? Why wasn't I? I had a good, on paper, I had a good life. I had, uh, you know, a beautiful girlfriend, I had a kid, I had a job, I had a, rug a rugby career. I might have even been captain at Batley then. Things were going all right. I had a nice life, um, but I, f I didn't feel like I did. And I just thought, I just remember it kind of getting on top of me, and I thought everyone would, it would just be easier for me not to be here. Because I can't, I can't see a way out. I couldn't see a way out of it. So at that time, that was a, a completely self in your head, a selfless move rather than what would be seen as a hugely selfish move. Mm. Had you done it, yeah, from your kids' point of view and from yeah, your yeah. wife at the time. And the, and the, the reason that I didn't do it was because they would have never known why I'd done it, and they would have thought that it was something to do with them, and that would have been selfish to, you know, it'd been easy for me. I'd have been dead, uh, but they'd have had to live with that and wonder why what they'd done. And also, my dad was never around, and I didn't want that for, for my kids. So I just, you know, just got on with it. But, but you had a plan. You had a plan to do it. Yeah, I figured, I mean, all these people who, who I, I never fancied hanging myself or anything. It all sounded too painful. So I just started getting those pipes. I'd stick it in the, have a drive out somewhere, stick it in the exhaust, and off I'd go to sleep, and that'd be it. Um, and... Yeah, I'm obviously very glad that I didn't, uh, but it was a close run thing. When I listen to a lot of the stories about, about this, about, um, I suppose, stories where you've got tough decisions and, and, and tough sort of choices to make in life, it's, it's always the same thing that I've heard. It's quite often that you put yourself at the centre of everything, as in mm. it, you are the problem, yeah. I'm the problem. Um, you, you, you make everything about yourself. I know that sounds mad, but you, you feel like you're... Yeah. The, your problem, and if, if you're not there, it would solve some problems. Yeah. Go, yeah, but it's um, it's not often the case, is it? No. You've got such a good support network around you. Mm. When you step back, yeah. it's just so important that people at that time in their life step away from themselves yeah. and just look at the bigger picture, which thankfully you managed to do. You know? Yeah, and as soon as you speak to someone, as soon as you say a thing out loud, it can you can. But rugby therapy for me. The changing rooms therapy. Yeah, 100%. Like the, the boys, there's this misconception, right? That I, I read, you read, yeah, you've written something about this. I've heard you say something yeah. where, well, the, there's a misconception that people and the guys in, in rugby league dressing rooms don't speak. It's the no. biggest load of nonsense yeah, ever. Yeah. Like anything that's going on in your life is aired. Everyone knows. And everyone, that. you get into training, you drop your bags and you go, right, oh, my, blah, 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 that's yeah. my life out. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and, and then they go, oh, thank God, you, you know, I've had the same thing, you know, yeah, you know yeah. blah, 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 100%. my neighbours are doing this, my missus does this. Mm. And all of a sudden it becomes like a, a but, forum. But, but, which you, you had those conversations, just from what I've read up on, on you, you had those, those chats, but it was more listening to other people bickering about their wives or the little problems and so on. You didn't get involved in those chats and you didn't talk about being gay until you were 27. No. Which... which which I want to tap into because um, I think your words exactly were in The Guardian, you know, you killed for some advice, you wanted some wise words for some encouragement. So, so why didn't you get that? Why didn't you seek that? Because then when you say a thing out loud, it becomes real. Um, and it, for a long time, it was really difficult for me to, to, to say I'm gay and to just think it. It, it was, it was a, it's a really difficult one to explain, mm. but... I, w I would go to say, I'm gay, and it, it would kind of stick in my throat. It would be a, a really, yeah, it was just really tough, and I, I didn't know who to ask, and then if I asked them, what would happen? And um, Yeah, so it was, my advice to anybody would always be, if you're struggling with something, whatever it is, ask, mm -hmm. talk to someone. 
And empathy is a big thing, isn't it? Because you're looking for people in life who see the world how you see it, whether you like it or not. You, you know, you're more comfortable speaking to somebody if you've got a feeling that they might empathise with your position. Now, values line up exactly. But for for yourself in in a in a rugby league dressing room full of sort of you know macho sort of characters, that there wouldn't have been a lot of empathy there. But my my point is, in society now, isn't there much more empathy and openness to 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 you know, to sexuality, to yeah. differences in gender and, and whatnot. It seems to be going in the right direction I, I, in that respect. Yeah, I, I think so. I think, yeah, I didn't have anyone to talk to because I didn't know any gay people. I, li- I literally didn't know any gay people. Mm-hmm. I didn't know of any gay people other than people who were on TV. So I couldn't have a chat with them. Although I did end up becoming major one. You were the only gay in the village. Well, I thought I was. Apparently I wasn't, but <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was. Um, so yeah, so I, and and I didn't know there were you know charities like Stonewall and uh, you can talk to Albert Kennedy Trust and there's there's so many charities that are out there. I didn't even think to look or it just wasn't mm. on my. I was so yeah, blinkered yeah. to dealing with my own shit that I didn't look at anything. Um, Emily, Jim, I'm coming to you shortly. I just want to, I just keep <laughs> on going with this story um, again in a, in an order and. The moment, and this is a really intrusive question, but the moment that you had that conversation with Sarah, who was the first person you told, yeah, why why was that the right moment? And and tell us as much as you as you're comfortable telling us about that that day. Yeah, we split up. Uh, the drinking and the carrying on had got a bit much, and the marriage had just it was untenable for both of us. And I didn't want my kids to grow up thinking that that was what a relationship was. So we we agreed, and I moved out. I think that was the May, uh, and uh, I think it was maybe the June, and I kind of got my been a bit brave and kind of ventured into Leeds, and there's a couple of gay bars in Leeds, and showed my face in there, and then ran out scared and and stayed for a little bit longer, and then and I became more and more comfortable with the idea that I was gay, um, and then I I knew that if I was going to tell anyone. Sarah to be the first person to tell I, I owed her that much. So I, I, I made, to, I went down under some false pretense to just have a chat about nothing. And I sat down at the dinner table, um, you know, in our house that we'd had for however many years. And, um, and again, I couldn't say I'm gay. Uh, I think I tried to tone it down a bit and I said something like, uh, I like lads. She was like, she didn't know what, what I was on about. So then I, I kind of went through everything, explained it. And at the time, she was, I think she was just in shock and she was okay and she cried, I cried, and then I left. And then the next day, obviously, the dust had settled and she was understandably, you know, really pissed off. Um, and then obviously I started telling the, told the lads at rugby and then Told, well, told my fam, told my mum, told my family, told the lads, um, and then, as you know, John, nothing's a secret in rugby league for long, is it? No, no. Um, not that I was, I didn't no. want it to be a secret because mm. I told everyone, so it didn't matter that everybody knew. Yeah. Um, but you, did, but you, you, initially, you didn't feel that relief when you told Sarah. You weren't. It wasn't as if it was this huge weight off your chest no, and you could live your life. Yeah, because I told Sarah and she was obviously really upset. And then I told my mum and she didn't. I was a disappointment, and I were, how could I do that to her? And I was an embarrassment. And how could how can you be gay? You're six foot four was an exact sentence that came out of her mouth. 
Um, I mean, that's un quite unbelievable, really. Yeah. That your your own mum mm. would come out with that. Yeah, yeah. It's a generation thing as well. Yeah. Right? It's, and, it's, you yeah. know, if you go back two generations, the, like the the opinions of people it would astound you now in the modern day mm. modern day world. You know, my my parents, mum and dad. Are, pig farmers from all you know and you go a couple of generations back there and it, yeah. the opinions now were completely different that's what yeah. I was trying to say about the world is moving isn't yeah, it 100%. it is moving 100%. slowly and it, we take yeah. steps backwards and forwards and whatever but we are moving in the right direction so, so that was your mum's opinion and that was why you were scared to tell her and she proved that exact point mm. but then did, did she ever come round has she come round you, no, you, you, you still don't, don't speak, speak to still her. Don't speak to her that's so sad it is sad and yet my life is richer now than it has ever been before um, I have good people around me. I have a good relationship with my, with my kids, with my ex-wife. Do you think she'll ever come round? Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. That's for her to understand. I'm, 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 you know, I'd like to think so one day. Uh, life's short, isn't it? But if not, then it's not my loss. It's her loss. It's one, it's one thing telling you your, um, I mean, your wife. I mean, <laughs> that's a hell of a moment, isn't it? Something like that. Um, your teammates. You took a couple of them. I think you were on a night out. Yeah, we'd gone, for, we'd gone for a few beers and then the pub, it was a Sunday night, the pub was shut in, went back to my house and had a few more beers. And obviously, um, I'd, like I said, I'd ventured into a couple of bars in Leeds and must have, I'm, I'm obviously not conspicuous. Um, and one of the lads said, you know, Keegan, what's these rumours about you being gay? And I remember, I remember it seeming to take a, an age, but it must have been a split second. I remember thinking, do I t tell them? Do I deny? Do I tell them? Do I deny it? Uh, and I just remember thinking, fuck it. Um, and I went, yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and Alec Alex Rowe is a big ad man from London and he, he's one of my best mates and he cried. Um, and I said, why are you crying? And he said, I'm sorry you've had to go through this on your own. I can't help you. Wow. Um, and he's, you know, he's had it tough growing up and stuff, but the lads were fine. And then they, t asked, they said, what do we do if anyone asks? It's all right, everyone knows. Uh, told them, then I rung JK up, John Keir. This um, is great, this bit. What did it tell us what he said? That's such a good quote. So, yeah, so obviously things weren't going particularly great with how things had gone with my mum and Sarah and everything. And I was starting to wonder if I'd done the right thing. And then I told JK, and JK you know, he's, you know, we talk about that generation thing, he's no. a 60 odd year old bloke who's been <laughs> in rugby for 40 odd years. Um, and I told him and he said, Keegan, it don't matter to me how cock if you're gay, you're a rugby league player and you're my captain, that's all that matters to me. <laughs> and then after that I thought, do you know what, I'm going to be all right here. Um, and the club were great, Batley Bulldogs were fantastic, the lads were fantastic. We played Dewsbury when I came out and it was in the paper. So, sorry, when, it, when the story broke in the paper in the August, we played in a pink kit to raise money for breast cancer. The late Beverly Nich uh, Nicholas sorted that out. So there were loads of pictures of me and the only gay rugby league player in the world in a pink kit. <laughs> uh, not that we want to conform to stereotypes. No, yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we played Jewsbury, so local rivalry. No, nothing was said. You know, they shook my hand after game, said well done. And, and I, I've... I've Generally not had any bad experience. Someone what, on Twitter once. What did your kids say? So Taylor would have been seven at the time. So she understood. She was just they were, they were upset that mum and dad split more than yeah. anything. They weren't really bothered. And I just kind of said at the time to them, um, you know, in the future dad might have a boyfriend rather than a girlfriend. And they're like, all right. 
because um, people are born prejudiced. Um, and I've come out to my son about five times um, because he would. He, he was three at the time. He's seven now, so he gets it now. But uh, he, and they say it as it is, kids. Yeah, hundred percent. And one of them he said, "Daddy, you still get." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a good check, isn't it? Yeah, at least he's checking. Yeah, yeah. 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 just marked it on his calendar. <laughs> <laughs> just ask the question. Ask Dad. Um, so, something really powerful that that I've read from you um, that must have been so difficult for you to write. You wrote a letter to yourself. Yeah. Um, uh, why did you feel the need to do that? And do you read it back from time to time to kind of remind yourself? I mean, the whole story is in that letter. It's such a powerful five-minute piece. Yeah, it was... Uh, Super League got in touch to ask... Uh, there's a big website in America called Players Tribune where uh, American footballers, NBA players, hockey players all contribute by writing articles or letters or, what you know, different through different mediums. And they asked me if I wanted to get involved um, and I said, yeah, sure, I enjoy writing. Um, always have done. And as I said, do you want to write a letter to your younger self? And uh, that was how it came about. Uh, so I kind of bared my soul and cried my eyes out while I was typing away. Uh, um, but yeah, I've, I've, I actually haven't read it back since, since I wrote it because it was very cathartic getting it. There's something very cathartic about putting pen to paper or indeed finger to keyboard. Uh, yeah. We'll come back to you. I don't want you to sit there in silence for any longer, Gemma and, and Emily. Um, you two are married. Yeah. Very good listeners, by the way. Very good <laughs> listeners. But a lot of, not a lot of nodding and... Yeah. Yeah. Isn't yeah. It? <laughs> it's a great story, isn't it? Keegan's story. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you two, you f where did you first meet? Uh, was it on England duty when you were both in England yeah, camp so, together? Yeah, so we met through rugby. Yeah. Um, it was, we met in 2008 and um, Gemma was in the England squad and I was 16 at the time and... I'd just kind of started playing open age um, and then play, I got selected for the Women's Northwest team and then from there I got, I got asked to go down to the England training um, and then that's, that's when we met. Just listen to Keegan's journey is such a wanky word isn't it but what he's it been is, through yeah. think yeah. another one for me quickly go on experience life experience his life his life yeah his life um how how much easier how much harder was it for for you two when you were younger acknowledging that you were gay and, yeah. and, and revealing that you were gay? i think my mine was really easy um and i think for women in general it probably is a little bit easier to come out not obviously not every every woman but um i was pretty lucky um, I didn't have that fear of coming out to my family so as soon as I kind of thought that I was you know no fear at all okay. no not not really and plus playing rugby um you know I started playing rugby when I was 15 16 and I was like the younger one so there was already a lot of um you know gay gay women in the team so it was is easy for me because I was around a lot of you know yeah, gay women straight away so I was comfortable okay, yeah. in that environment straight off 
And yeah, and I didn't really have any fear about, about telling my family. That's um, huge, isn't it? I, yeah. I guess because you know, in the same in England's women's football team as well, there are a lot of openly gay mm. sportswomen, mm. and being in that sort of environment, you're going to be comfortable. The fact that women probably that's not a, a stereotype, is it? Talk yeah. more openly than guys do in general. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sexuality is something that's going to be on the table. Mm. I think we're we're really lucky in women's rugby, just in general, that. It is very, it's very welcoming environment. Like full stop. Like you know, you, you when you're part of women's rugby, you not, you don't have to kind of come out as such. It's not assumed you're straight. It's not assumed you're gay. It's, it's that environment where everybody's kind of comfortable being themselves, and everybody's comfortable with everybody else being themselves. You know, and and there's not any pressure to like. It's completely different, I think, from your experience. Like there is women who are gay who play rugby and. You know, there's, there's no, there doesn't seem to be any issues with that at all. Um, so I think it's a lot easier, like for myself personally, when I, um, similar to Gemma, when I joined like women's rugby and moved up to open age, I knew a lot of gay people. Mm. And although I wasn't openly gay at that time, I could see that so many women were comfortable with it. There wasn't a problem. Like you know, everybody just got on with it. And I think that made it obviously a lot easier to come out um, and just you know, like, be yourself and not so, have to hide anything. So neither of you had any sort of real dark struggles because of your sexuality? I think you probably more so. Yeah, I think I struggled with it a little bit, just like like yourself. I think I kind of denied it for a while and um, and I, I myself wasn't comfortable um, being gay at first, you know. Like, not in rugby. In rugby, I was really... I was happy to just be myself. It was more in terms of at work and at university, when I eventually come out of university. But I did... I really worried about what other people would think because in, in those environments at work and at university, there wasn't anybody else who was gay. So I, I did worry, you know, how that would be, like, perceived, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I did... I was a little bit uncomfortable with coming out. Obviously, we, we were together, so I was kind of hiding a part of my life, um, which I didn't like doing, and I was kind of, you know, having to lie to people about who I was going out with or where I was going, and, and eventually it just, you know, I, I, I did come out. But, yeah, I think I did struggle with it for a while when I was, when I was about 18. Um, but, yeah, obviously, rugby really helped me um, feel more comfortable with it. And when you hear Keegan's struggles, Gemma, and how, I mean, look... <laughs> He, he had to keep it a secret. It, it was it was almost like you were in too deep with with yeah. the kids and the wife and so on. When, when you hear stories like that, um, how much empathy do you have and, and sort of I guess relief for yourself that you've not had to go through those those really dark dark struggles where, as we heard from Keegan, he, he thought the only way out of this is simply for me to remove myself from the equation. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's really sad and yeah. um, and I guess I've not really thought about it that deeply how lucky I was, you know, growing up yeah. and being able to come out like really easily to my family. Um, I'm not saying that my family found it, you know, easy, um, but um, I never once worried about having to, you know, to admit it. I knew from a very early early age when I was in high school um, that I was more attracted to women. Um, and yeah, I guess, you know, there's so many people obviously like Keegan, you know, who, who do live that lie, you know, and, and don't feel comfortable enough to be able to just just be yourself, mm. and I guess it's really sad. And obviously, you know, Keegan, I was obviously in a, you know happy and, and and able to just be himself. And I think there's so many people in that situation, and it kind of makes you think, you know, I am really lucky that it wasn't, I didn't have this big coming out, you know, story, or it was yeah. just a natural kind of 
thing yeah. about growing up. This might be yeah. outrageous, or not outrageous, but it's for discussion. Is, is there less of a stigma with coming out as being gay as a woman? You, you think in, 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 in general yeah. in society, I'm not talking about in, in a rugby league like yeah. microcosm, I'm talking about in society in general, would mm. that be? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd agree. I, I, I think that, you know, it's a first statement to make. Um, like I touched on it earlier, I think for women in general, coming out is a lot easier. Um, and that's just probably my opinion, but maybe that's because I'm, you know, I've got a lot of friends. Because you've experienced yeah. that and we know, we know quite a few people. I, that I, I think... A good gauge of that is if two girls went on, on a night out and they kissed each other and there were photos of it the next day on Facebook, would there be a massive kickoff about it? Would people be going, oh my god, can you believe that so and so kissed so and so? Cut to two lads on a night out yeah. and they have a kiss mm. and then that's on Facebook. Yeah. What's the difference in reaction? Mm. And I think that is like a cross section of that question. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Uh, I think, like you said, John, it's a generation thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, um, sure. That's what it comes out. But when I did come out to my to my family, my dad was the first person that I told, and we've had a conversation, you know, since, and he found it really easy, and you know, straight away he was telling all his friends, and he wouldn't hide the fact that I was that I was gay. But then we had a conversation about my brother. I've got a younger brother, and he said, you know, he'd have found it a little bit harder, just because it's his son and I, I didn't keep kind of understand that comment from him but I guess it is a generation dad's you know an ex-professional you know rugby league player my brother played rugby um so yeah it's I don't know what I, it is with I, the male th- I think the thing with dads and sons is because it selfishly on a parent's point of view it would make them feel that it's their fault but a lot of parents do that they feel that yeah, it's yeah, their yeah. fault that the, the son or daughter has cha- turned out gay or whatever the sexuality is and that is a bad showing on them as a parent but it brings up that the, the discussion about na- nature versus yeah. nurture i suppose you know mm. you know have, have you always been have you always been gay is it something that is developed through environmental things is it mm. having role models people around you you connect with is it yeah. you know and these are the sort of things we need to sort of talk about really. I, think, I, I think the whole you know labeling yourself as gay straight bisexual I just think it's just who you fall in love with and I know that sounds a bit cheesy but it's kind of yeah. you know if you meet somebody and you have that attraction and you have that chemistry and you get on and I don't really the whole labels isn't it I don't think there should no. be a you know I mean I've had a boyfriend before Emily's had boyfriends and it's not. That was boyfriend and that was boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to point out. Really important difference there. Yeah. Like, Accusational. Accusational. <laughs> <laughs> I've had one boyfriend, you've had boyfriends. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I just, the whole label thing, I mean, it's sad that you, you have to label yourself yeah. these days, but yeah. I, I think just be the person. for me, it's not a choice. Yeah. yeah. Because if I could have chosen, mm. I would have chosen not to be yeah, yeah. for sure. most of my life. Yeah. Whereas now, I'm really, I'm really happy about being gay and how, who I am and yeah. where I'm mm-hmm. at and stuff. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think that that is a choice because I think a lot of people do think that it is a choice. But, but that's where parent would put themselves in that decision, mm. wouldn't they? They, yeah. they, 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 they would say something how I yeah. brought you up is that I remember my, my nan. You, I used to play with a vacuum when I was a kid, 
I love cleaning. Um, <laughs> I do genuinely love cleaning. Um, <laughs> really? We didn't get that the second time you talked. Yeah. When you said it twice, I thought, yeah. he really loves, yeah. this guy loves cleaning. Um, <laughs> if you went three times on that, I really like cleaning. We've got a cleaning business. Um, and my nan would say, don't let him play with a vacuum. He'll turn out gay. Yeah. And she said, I can play with a vacuum. And then I did turn out gay, so maybe that's something to do with why she yeah, doesn't talk to me. Well, I'm, de I'm definitely gay. I do all the vacuum. I love cleaning. I love cleaning as well. I don't think that's the only criteria. Right, is that not it? It's not like that. One of those daily, daily mail things yeah. where if you're an apple a day, you're like five times less likely to die of something. It's just that if you vacuum, watch it. One, one thing that you two didn't have when you came out was a tweet which was retweeted nearly two million times uh, after Elton John, Stephen Fry, Emma Watson, all... That, you were very competitive about that. One thing you guys <laughs> didn't have. No, no. <laughs> and, and, uh, Keith, and that's what happened, because when, when you, know, you openly came out in the August, uh, you, ended, I mean, you met Elton John, didn't you? I, met El I did meet Elton John later on. I got a phone call off him. Um, I got awesome. <laughs> How good that? I got, so I got a phone call off a lady, a London phone number, um, and I just thought it was one of the lads that got the missus to ring me and <laughs> said, uh, is Alan John's secretary and he's read your story and he'd like to get in touch, can I pass your number and your email address on? And I was like, mm. yeah, of course you can. <laughs> um, and that was that. And then I got a phone call from Nice and I genuinely thought that's PPI. So I was <laughs> um, Can you imagine being doing a PPI claim with Alan John? That'd be uh, amazing. And then I thought, mm, PPI don't ring from Nice. No. So I... I picked it back up and I dialed it and obviously a French guy answered and he was like, who is this? Um, it was French. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and I said, it's Keegan S. I said, one, one moment please. And then it went kind of off and then it came and it said, hi Keegan, Elton here, David and I think you're absolutely fabulous. No. Uh, we've read your, read your story and we spoke, he said, the world's changing, people like you are helping it change, it was very sweet. We spoke for about 10 minutes and we've stayed in touch via email ever since. I've met him a couple of times. His kids are the same age as mine. Um, yeah, and then obviously I, I, Anthony got in touch. I became Anthony's and Cotton's my best, best mate now. Uh, <laughs> met Gandalf, you know. Uh, Emma, yeah, it was mad. That was mad. That was surreal. Crazy. Yeah, really I, know, surreal. I know you've got to go soon. So have you got another five, ten minutes? Or do you yeah, need to yeah, shoot yeah, now, right? Because right? um, I just want a couple other bits. You. Um, you said to me earlier that perhaps Gareth Thomas coming out, he was the, the first big, well, and, and current at the time, rugby league player to, to come out, and he went on to play, was it Crusaders at the time, wasn't he? Yeah, he so he came, I think he came out when he was at Toulouse, and then he went And then moved to Crusaders, yeah, yeah and, and, and kept playing. Um, that moment where you had come out and you were still playing rugby and you are on the pitch, did, did anyone look at you different? Did you, you must have felt different inside in terms of how people were looking at you, but did you ever get anything negative? Did you get, ever get anything on the pitch or from the fans or anything that... No, I've never, no one's ever said anything to me. Um, Which is and, amazing. Yeah, and there's lots of opportunity for people to, as, you know, as we all know. Um, but no, no players have ever said anything. No, I've never directly heard anything from any fans. Mm -hmm. People have told me they've heard things, but I've never heard anything. Um, the only incident was there was a, a, a Batley fan uh, tweeted something and the club banned him straight away. Mm. No, that was it. That's the only. Uh, would you message him anything negative? <laughs> Absolutely well, not. Well, would you would message him because the people that do that uh, are hiding so far away behind any kind of reality yeah, yeah. that they, they can do. I, it. I did get a letter, a handwritten letter, it was written in pencil, which I thought was indicative, mm. um, <laughs> from 
I think he's called Steve, who's from Wigan, um, and he wrote in pencil, and he said that he he thought he didn't agree with my choices. Yeah. Um, Nice one, Steve. Nice, Steve. <laughs> in pencil, so he must not have got his pen licence yet. Steve in pencil. We can rub that one out, I think, yeah. can't we? Um, why, do you not, why, why do you think, then, that people haven't followed suit? Not followed suit, that's not the right way to put it, and you didn't follow Gareth Thomas's lead. You, mm. you, you, it all came naturally to you when to do it and why to do it. But why have there not been more in rugby league that have, that have felt comfortable and seen, and seen that you guys have created a pathway that you can carry on absolutely as normal and, and live the life? I think there's a, co- there's a couple of things you take into consideration. I, I, I don't think it would be unfair to say that a lot of gay kids move away from sport as they get older, rightly or wrongly, for whatever reasons. Mm. Um, but that is a, probably a fact. So if the stat is one in 10 people are gay, I wouldn't imagine that is necessarily the case in professional sport because... I w- because do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and then also say that you are gay and you are playing professional. I remember when Gareth Thomas came out, I didn't think, oh, I can do that. Mm. I was so busy in my own shit that it, it just didn't register. And retrospectively, it did kind of pave the way for me. Um, but so I imagine if other people are just busy trying to spin their own plates and you can only come out when you're ready to come out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Doesn't but matter. No, but, no, but two two openly gay professional rugby league players mm. but it's not a representative sample of you know the population yeah, is what yeah, you're saying yeah. you, the, 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 the people who are playing rugby league the men who are playing rugby league and, and less so the women which is brilliant is the men who are playing rugby league are less likely to to conform or to, to, to come out in, in the way that you have you yeah. know there's probably people are living under a cloud of well, there must be thousands. Denial. <laughs> well, the, the thousands would be stretching it. because Hundreds. There'll no, be hundreds. Yeah, there'll be, be people. rugby league players. Well, this is what right, Keegan, is. right? This is my thing with Keegan and the story about what Keegan is. It's, at its very best, the game uses it to help people who are living in denial and who mm. have these feelings to come out. But the worst thing is to feel like you've almost been thrown out there and, you you know, the sport use you up in a yeah. sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because it can become so easy to... Li- we're talking about labels, right? Yeah. Mm. Well... Look, you know, inherently when you talk about yourself, it, it's always it's always part of the conversation, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Like, yeah. It's not John the heterosexual rugby player, is it? Yeah, yeah. No, no, like, do you yeah, know what no, I mean? Yeah. And, and and that that's what I mean. That's a lazy thing from our game, I'd say. Yeah. Well, it's lazy, but it's obvious because we are talking about two human beings and only two, which I find astonishing. Right. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is that Keegan, yeah, yeah, should should yeah. Keegan like. He's a gay rugby player, but so what? I, but, Do you know what I mean? We shouldn't, we shouldn't I, you put him out there. We, sh- we shouldn't, and I, I understand and appreciate what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and I remember when I came out, I remember thinking it specifically, and, and I think I would have said it at some point. I said, I don't want to go on some kind of crusade mm. and be a pin-up boy, uh, poster boy for gay people, and I just want to live my life. Bear in mind, I was going through a divorce, and there's... Mm. Uh, and I thought, I don't need any extra shit mm. to deal with. And then I got so many letters, emails, messages from people who played sport but stopped playing sport, people who were in a team but weren't out, people who were married. People, it seems to touch lots of people. And I realised that I was in a position... You have a responsibility. ..to mm. make change. Yeah, and it would be remiss of me to yeah. not yeah. step up. Absolutely. Um, well, think about the, the, the Keegan at 27. He yeah. was thinking about putting a pipe in his window and, and killing yeah, yeah. himself. You, you do have a responsibility for those guys and it's something that you've, yeah. you've now 
you're an international speaker yeah. <laughs> on the yeah, subject. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really proud. I am a, I am a rugby player. I am the gay rugby player, mm. and I guess I will be known as that. But I'm, pr- I'm proud of that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. proud that I've been able to help, you know, a, a person here or there, and that I've been able to use my voice um, for for positive change or just even if it's changing perceptions. So I. I get, I do get what you're saying, yeah, yeah. but I am kind of, I'm glad Absolutely. of it. It's like a double-edged sword, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Mm. And having role models is, is really important in mm. life, isn't it? So if you see a, a path that's well-trodden or somebody's been down that path before, instinctively it gives you a route to travel, doesn't it? And, and it seems like that, you know, in, in women's rugby league, that that path is, is there already, isn't yeah, it? And it's, and it's probably mm. more well-traveled, and therefore that probably describes why it feels more natural I think, you know, I've been playing a lot longer than, than Emily has. And like I say, when I first started playing, obviously the, the majority of the players were gay. Mm. Now, it's very different. Yeah, it's so it's going the other so, way. So, yeah, so there is, you yeah. know, like, there's a lot of, of female rugby league players who are not gay and they were straight. We've got families. They have marriage. to come out with straight. Yeah, But yeah, it's, it's changed in our game. It's from when I first started at 16. It has, it's kind of evened out a lot, a lot now. I think that goes back to the, like, like you said before about what's normal. Mm. I think in, like a couple of years ago, it seemed to be rugby was perceived as a sport where mm. you know only gay women play it or more masculine women would mm. play. Whereas, so you know, you did find that there was a lot of of gay women who played rugby. Mm. Whereas now, I think you know a lot, women's rugby's out there a lot more, and you find that a lot of young girls are, who are you know, are not gay at all and. And they're coming to the women's rugby league, and because the sport's growing, it's growing like society's growing. You know, mm. there's um, like I was on the back with the girls yesterday when we was on the, the way back from our game, and I was saying actually in our team there's sort of 20, 23, 24 of us, and there was only four four of us who were you know gay mm. in the team. So I think a lot of people assume um, yeah, yeah, that the majority of women are gay, but actually, in fact, now I don't I don't think it is the majority. I think it's probably the other way. Yeah. Um, just because it's grown and it's got a lot more popular. There's a bigger pool to pick. There's a bigger pool to pick from. There is statistically yeah. less gay of people course, than yeah. straight people, yeah, so yeah, that's. Yeah. And I think that's just what it is, mm. you know, as it's grown. I want to talk about one a moment with you two, which is uh, which is brilliant. I don't know if it was so brilliant at the time, but um, <laughs> Saints were playing uh, Wigan, yeah. uh, the Saints Wigan derby, which is big enough in itself. You two married at the time, mm-hmm. playing against each other. Yeah. <laughs> What happened? Because what happened? So yeah. there, was an in, what there, happened. There, there was an incident which yeah. which, which we, happened. We, we Someone got clattered. About this, and we still we tell it very disagree. <laughs> so um, yeah, basically we come up against each other, and obviously with Wigan and Saints being a massive derby, we got caught up in that. This is the first time we played against each other um, since it had been since we've been married, and since it had been the Women's Super League. Um, so yeah, I think we just got caught up in it a little bit, didn't we? Was it we? Or was well, it I don't think it was we. But, no, no. You know, that's yeah. what I'm I, I suggesting. Say, that, you know, yeah. Yeah. So I would say it was oh, only. You got tell your side then, but <laughs> <laughs> it'll be different. For so, me. so yeah, so we'd had a little chat before the game, and we'd said, you know, let's <laughs> just, let's just, you know, keep it professional. We'll, we'll you know, we'll, we'll both play rugby then after. You know, we'll yeah. go back to being. Ellen and Gemma married. Yeah, and that's what we intended to do. But. So <laughs> five ten minutes, five ten minutes into the game. And I'd shut up to kind of put a bit of pressure on Emily because she's their go-to player. Which is aggressive. Yeah. That's, well, an, aggra- that's I, an aggressive I, I, I would, yeah. I would agree. So 
shut up, the ball didn't get to him, like, the half damage. So I'd kind of turned, knowing the ball wasn't getting to her. At this point, though, I'd seen her out the corner <laughs> shooting up. So I thought, right, she's, she's shot here and she's lined up against me. <laughs> so I thought she was going to put a shot on me, yeah. which I didn't expect because we'd already had this, this, yeah, yeah. this discussion <laughs> where we were going to keep it professional, etc. And I thought, right, she's gunning for me here. She's really going to try and take me out. So, so that she's riled me up. up and I didn't end up getting the ball, but I ended up kind of thinking... So she dropped a shoulder. And I kind of ran into Gemma. So let's get this right in that point. Like a hundredth of a second, yeah. you got riled up. Yeah. You made I a did, rational, yeah, you made a very yeah. rational decision yeah. to shoulder charge mm -hmm. your wife in the head. The yeah. old hit on suspicion. Yeah, it was a shoulder charge. So basically, I was off off balance, so I did do a backwards. The old, I was off balance. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And then yeah, so the penalty was given. The the linesman came on. Give a penalty against Emily, but in that in that moment, sounds I'd, like a penalty. It yeah, does, yeah, it was a penalty, and we've watched it back, and we still disagree on it. Um, I think if I hadn't done that, she would have done that. What was the reaction at the time? What was said at that at the exact? Well, moment? I got simbin in that game. <laughs> after that well, you, so she you're, got it, she... you're quite loud on the pitch, are you? Uh, Couple, was there a few words as you went? I've watched, yeah. watched a bit. I've watched a bit. Was there a few words when you went to the bin between you two? Um, yeah. No, I, there wasn't between. Oh, at no, the time between that that incident happened, no. she, yeah, she was like, "What so, are you doing?" So they got a bit of silent treatment at home afterwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. fast forward to yeah. sitting yeah. at home. Was, yeah. Yeah. I went out, I think. But I think <laughs> I went out. I see you later. I think as well, you know, all of the players knew the situation, and a lot of them, probably the fans, the people who were there watching, knew the situation. So I think when it happened, everybody on Wigan and Saints were all like. Oh, Oh, and the crowd was like, oh. So it kind of just, it, it made it into, I think, a bigger incident than it needed to be. And the fact that we had to keep talking about it. It's only a year on. It's only a year on. That brings up a really interesting yeah. thing, is that, like, sort of maritable, marital, like, feuds mm. could be sorted in sport. If I was allowed to play against my wife. <laughs> so if I could play rugby against Jousting. my wife. You get to she... play against Flash, don't you? Yeah, well, exactly. He's, he's, he's my work wife. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he knocked him out. <laughs> no, he, he knocked did, him he out. did, actually. He's got a big head. Uh, but, yeah, it could be sorted, Will. Yeah. Domestic situations. You know, Fran could shoulder charge me in the head well, once school. every couple of weeks. Jousting. Horse, would, horse and, a, and an actual joust. Let's just physically make it a joust. A, on a horse, a joust off. Yeah, on horseback. <laughs> why? Why have you just put this back. on horseback? <laughs> what the hell is? What the hell? This is his privilege again. You see. <laughs> ne next thing we'll be doing it on sailboats. <laughs> um, we'll be doing it at Henley. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's almost a stereotype. Just squeezing this in as the sort of final conversation. But we, we've. Um, Keegan's got to go. We've done an hour. Um, I, I just wanted the, the women's Super League game is is massively on a on an upward curve. Um, you've got the World Cup coming up as well, 2021 running concurrently with the men's, alongside the men's. Uh, you're playing in the same stadium as the men's on the same match day, which, which is huge. It's yeah. something the FA do for uh, England's women's football. Yeah. Um, it is going in the right direction over such a short space of time. Last year was the first professional season. Yeah, it is, it is growing quite rapidly. Um, and we, you know, we, we're, I'm really, I think we're both really enjoying the fact that it is growing and it's becoming really big. Um, yeah, there's, you know, the Women's Super League's been brilliant. Um, I think it's just brought a whole kind of different, not different, but it's just made it really professional for us. You know, obviously we don't we don't get paid to play rugby, um, but we, we kind of, I, I think we take it quite seriously with it being the Super League and, you know, everybody 
trains because yeah because they love it but will it get to the stage you get paid like like the women's football game huh? can I, I, yeah, yeah I, I can I, well. I yeah I just genuinely think that the, the, the women's sports been, it's been brilliant the Super League's been exceptional but the only way that we make it full time is for the men's game to be stronger because at the moment commercially that generates mm. the revenue for all things yeah, yeah. you know we only just sort of started discussing reserve teams and and whatnot but if if, if we can get the men's Super League to really spin some money, mm. and I know it might sound—it sounds misogynistic to say mm. it—if the man's, you know, the male yeah. game can, yeah. then that's the opportunity for, for I think, for the women's game to become full time. Mm. You know, we've got to understand that. I think it's quite easy to say we need, you know, it to be all full time and everybody be paid, but it, it, you know, yeah. we, yeah. we, we really need more than the best yeah. will in the world, don't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, you know, I think it will. I think it will eventually get to that point. I yeah, do. Yeah. I think it's going that way. Um, you know, and there's other female athletes in different sports who are full time professionals, and mm. um, you know, the rugby league uh, women in Australia, they're full time. Yeah. So you know, that that in itself just shows that mm. it's. It, I think it will get there, whether or not we're. We're still playing. Well, and and, 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 and yeah. easier said than done, but you need yeah. the nation to to take it to their hearts, and you need the platform yeah. to do that. For example, netball, and they've had a lot of money invested in them. Yeah. But on that Commonwealth stage when they won that final against Australia in the most dramatic circumstances, then that is forever etched in people's minds. And they were and, and a rug, England's women's rugby union team have had mm. that moment. I think that I do think that would take it to another level mm. if you know the national team got some success mm. on a big scale like you know whether it be the world cup in 2021 obviously that would be the dream for england to win that i do think that would take it to another level um success does that done it for a sport but mm. i think you know it's going to take time anything would take time the super league's been around for two years and it's grown massively in those two years you know you can't expect it to be a straight way it's going to be huge it will take time and, and it is going definitely in the right direction so it's all positive i've got two final questions just first one to mrs walsh can we call you mrs walsh what do yes, you yes. yeah what do you mean, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> just, just, just <laughs> not about you this job i'm sorry <laughs> are you going to come out of retirement for a home world cup uh no i don't think so um well i've not been asked that's you know that's that's the big the big one Would you? Um, i've not been asked um if if I thought that I would add value to to the England team, you know, and I could bring something that maybe another player couldn't bring, then yeah. Um, obviously, I've got to be in the right shape, you know, physically, and I am. That's a great answer. Probably, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm I'm obviously one of the older the older players in the game now, so um, I guess you know. How old's old, by the way? Do you mind me asking? I'm old. Oh, you're so on I'm the spot to, now. No, I'm trying to work out how old. You know, I need to hang my boots up, essentially. Well, you should have done that five years ago. I'm 36. Oh, we're the same age. Yeah. It's a great age. It's a great age. Uh, a great I, age. I, I don't want to get onto the subject of surnames in marriages, because we've been there with John, and oh. Brown Housel still hasn't changed oh, no, the name, which is a very, very touchy subject. Yeah, but let's not, let's not go there again. Subject. Let's not go there again. Very touchy, very touchy subject. Yeah. Uh, my final question is to Mr Hurst. Are you going to go on first dates again? No. <laughs> I don't think my boyfriend would be very happy. Oh, you've got a boyfriend now? OK. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that was very awkward, wasn't it, that oh, day? Just uh, <laughs> quickly tell us about that. 2016? He was a t- First gay date or on first date? No, it wasn't my first gay date. No, uh, oh, it wasn't your first date? No, no, it wasn't. Um, it, I'd not been on many, though. Um, oh, it, it, yeah, it was, it was awful. 
What, because the guy was so... What, but dates, are, are dates in general. No, but didn't he like, throw a whole load of gay innuendos at you? Loads of gay innuendos. He's, he's so self-obsessed. Uh, just wasn't your type. It was a blind date, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah. was a blind date. It was, uh, And first dates were so apologetic that they put me with someone who was so far away from, you know, talking about values lining mm-hmm, up. Yeah. Uh, they asked me to go back on, and I just said, no, all right. <laughs> the food was really nice, though. <laughs> 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 Uh, they did that badly they asked you back please (laughs) give us another chance (laughs) Um, Keegan Gemma Emily thank you so much for coming in Um, great to get your insight Keegan I know know, you've done so many interviews paper TV magazines whatever on this and and, uh, with your work now speaking all around the world you've told these stories so many times but I think it's so important for, for people who haven't heard it um, to hear it from a, from a sportsman still playing at the top level and hopefully uh, more will follow suit because that surely is where we have to be at. Um, thanks, everyone. And uh, you can download Out of Your League via Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us on YouTube as well. Get in touch at Super League. Join the conversation on social media. Use the hashtag Out of Your League. And we are with you every week up until after the grand final. See you later. <laughs>